Right. Hey guys, uh, it's Dijon here from uh, Purpose Nation. This is uh, episode uh, four of the Finding Your Purpose podcast. And uh, today I have uh, Arena. Um, Rena, would you mind introducing yourself? <laughs> yeah, my name is uh, Rena Malik. I am a urologist by training and a pelvic surgeon. And I'm also a YouTuber where I make content on bladder health, sexual health, and all sort of urologic conditions um, to educate the general public. Thank you. And uh, yeah, guys, like Rena, she has like an amazing story. And just like her, her, you know, like her channel is really unique. She has a big audience. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a great episode. So make sure you watch or listen to this episode all the way through because there's going to be a lot of golden nuggets. I have like an amazing questions lined up. So it's going to be a good one. <laughs> yep. So um, uh, yeah, I, I guess like, first of all, like, where are you uh, like uh, located at Rena? Like, um, yeah, so I'm currently in Maryland. So I work in Baltimore and a little suburb called Columbia, Maryland. Mm -hmm. And I am from originally Buffalo, New York, which is where I was born and raised. I'm a huge Bills fan. Mm -hmm. And um, and then went to uh, New York City for medical school at NYU and then uh, residency in Chicago at University of Chicago. And then to fellowship uh, for female pelvic medicine reconstructive surgery in uh, Dallas, Texas at UT Southwestern. Mm -hmm. I love it. So it sounds like you've like just, just been growing up on the East Coast, you know? <laughs> yep. Yep. Trying out all the major cities. I love it. I love it. And uh, I guess like growing up, like what were your, uh, what are your hobbies look like? Like what did you do in your free time? Can you tell me a bit more about that? Absolutely. So I was really into, I was very, I was born in a, a first generation Indian. So my parents came from India in 1975 and they were one of the first four immigrant families uh, of Indian descent in the whole city of Buffalo, New York, at least that they knew of. Mm. And so from there, they um, they brought their entire extended family to Buffalo. They sponsored them all. And so I grew up with a big South Asian influence because they literally had moved from India. So a lot of what I did during my free time centered around that, spending a lot of time with my extended family, going to church called Gurdwara. And then really, I got into Indian dancing uh, quite a lot. So I did a North Indian Indian dance called Bhangra, which is what I really enjoyed doing. And when I was in college, started the Bhangra team and started a Bhangra competition and, and was really actively involved in that. And then, um, you know, that, that was pretty much, you know, what we did for fun. I love it. And, and like hats down for you for like getting into dancing. Like that's, that's one thing, like I can like play the piano. I could do a lot of stuff, but like dancing, like <laughs> I'm always jealous. I'm always envious of other people that can just like dance, you know, specifically, specifically like dancing from like different traditions. I, I always find that like really like you have like your like um the music and just like the whole atmosphere, the whole package. Uh, it's just like yeah, it's, amazing. It's, amazing. It. <laughs> it's it's so fun and it's you know, performing on stage is so different than you know, giving a talk or anything else. It's just yeah, it's just really exhilarating. So super fun. And I'm sure you can if you want to, you just gotta keep trying <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think it's all about like uh just like being in sync with like the beat and just yeah. like I don't know I I I I guess for me like I I get to focus on like what I'm doing with my hands and my feet I get too self-conscious of that I have a hard time just like just like loosening up but uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> well practice makes perfect right that's right yeah <laughs> but I like that like you grew up in a you know like a like had lots of family around. It's always nice to have and just like that support system. And yeah, I like it. So, uh, so what got you into like, uh, like what you do now? You did mention like the schools you, you went to, like, was there something like, do you just take like, just, 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 just went for like, I'm, 
I don't know, this like went down like one path and kind of see where it led to, or was it something that inspired you as far as like what well, so my, career path? So yeah, my mom's a nurse. So I had exposure to healthcare early on, but you know, just like every, you know, every, if you know any South Asians, you'll know that when we grow up, we're kind of told you should be a doctor, an engineer, or a lawyer, you should, you know, have a stable job, be financially stable and have something that's kind of a respectable white collar profession. And mm -hmm. so I was kind of, you know, I knew that that was what my parents wanted me to do. And I had some interest in it, but I said, you know what, let me really be sure that's what I wanted do. And so I did during college, do some internships at um, other types of jobs and really just realized that I, I enjoyed the idea of taking care of patients. Of course, I didn't really know exactly what that entailed, but um, I liked the idea of being a part of someone's life where they're, they're needing help in an intimate way and getting that privilege to really take care of them. So I went down, you know, kind of went straight through. So I went to college and then I went into medical school right away mm -hmm. and then straight through to, and so when you become a physician after medical school, you have to do what's called a residency. Mm -hmm. And so I, I matched and you match, you don't get to really pick, you pick the specialty you want to go into, but you essentially apply in that specialty and then you get matched. So you don't get to pick exactly where you go. You get to mm -hmm. rank them and then you, you go that way. So I went to Chicago for residency um, after going to medical school in New York. And then uh, from there, I decided to do a fellowship and that was and so I guess we'll take it back a little step. So when I was in medical school, you you decide what you want to do, right? And how you mm -hmm. decide that is you go on rotations. So sometimes people have a preconceived notion. They come into medical school saying, I want to be an orthopedic surgeon, or I want to be this or that. I had no idea. And so mm -hmm. during my rotations, I went into surgery. It was one of my first rotations. And I was like, wow, I never expected myself to like surgery. I was like, wow, I, I actually enjoy this. I like working with my hands. I like the quick fix, like you do something and the patient is fixed. Mm -hmm. And, and so I was like, wow, I'm really drawn to this, but I didn't enjoy general surgery. Like I thought I would. So I looked into then the subspecialties and there's, if you think of surgical subspecialties, those are like ENT, ear, nose and throat doctors. There's mm -hmm. urologists who take care of the genital urinary tract. So kidneys, bladder, and genitals. And then um, there's ophthalmology eyes and there's um, orthopedic surgery, which is bones, obviously. And then all the other ones, you do a general surgery residency. So I looked at these subspecialties. I knew I didn't want to do ortho and I really didn't like eyeballs. So it kind of left me with ENT and urology. Mm -hmm. And when I decided to go into urology, I met with the chairman. I went to the surgeries and I was like, wow, this is so exciting. We get to do such a diverse, like, a diverse number of things. We can do mm -hmm. little procedures in the office. We can do big open surgeries and we can take care of different kinds of patients where we can take care of kids. We can take care of women. We can take care of men's sexual health. We can take care of cancer. So it just offered a lot of opportunity. And I think a key, if anyone is in a point where they're trying to figure out what they want to do with their lives, it's, it's also about who you work with. So you want to find your tribe, right? So like for me, I found my tribe. I met urologists and said, wow, these are really great, fun-loving people. I always like to say, how serious can you take yourself when you're dealing with genitals all day? Like you really can't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so that's that's really been super fun for me. And so I, I matched into urology. And then from there, I really enjoyed reconstructive surgery, like putting things back together. It's a little bit more creative. You have to kind of think about things in a, uh, it's not always a stepwise, like not every patient's the same. You don't treat them all the same. And then you're improving their quality of life. So people who have bladder issues who are leaking or um, going to the bathroom too often, people who have, you know, more complicated problems like fistulas or things that are, they're really causing them a lot of issues. I get to fix those. So I really love it. 
I like how you said, I, met, I, I had a conversation with someone, uh, I think it was in the past like year or two, but they said um, um, she was in the same situation as well. Uh, she's kind of like in healthcare, I forgot what it was specifically, but she said when she went and saw like her first like uh, surgery, just kind of like, mm -hmm. just like shadowing the doctor. Um, uh, I think that's the term, <laughs> but yeah. like uh, it was so fascinating to her to where she wanted to go into that. So that's interesting how you say how uh, just going to like that first, uh, like just like going to your first surgery and 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 being able to experience that, how that really just like opened that new world for you, yeah. and um, and uh, you kind of tapped into it a little bit, but but what exactly does uh urologists do and I think you're also a pelvic surgeon as well I think that's what right I'm so all, all urologists are surgeons which I think not everyone knows but we take care of the medical and surgical problems with essentially the plumbing of the urinary tract so it can be the kidneys so any kidney cancers kidney stones the tubes that drain the kidneys the bladder so anything that can go wrong with the bladder bladder cancer um, if you get bladder stones if you're having like bladder leakage or going to the bathroom a lot or waking up a lot at night we deal with that and then we can do anything with the genitals. So sexual function for both men and women. Um, we do for women, we also do prolapse. So like when things are kind of falling out and they're not supposed to. Um, and then we do infertility for men. We do um, pediatric urology. So anything that happens in those systems with kids. And I'm sure I'm missing things because we do so many, but a lot of, there's just so much that we do. We do robotic surgery. We do surgery with little cameras that go into, mm -hmm. um, into small holes to like look in the bladder and things like that. And uh, it's, it's really just very satisfying because I think patients are so nervous when they come to us about these problems, but we can really put them at ease and, and fix their problems. And so I think it's, it's just so great. I love it. I love it. And with that, um, did you have uh, at the time, do you have like your, um, we work we work at under like another doctor or, uh, or a corporation or do you have like your own practice? So in, in medical now or? Um, I guess like back then and now, yeah. Yeah, so back in medical school, you're basically a student. So you're still like paying tuition, being a student, but you go on what's called rotations. So you rotate through all like the, many of the specialties in medicine. So you'll do general medicine, you'll do surgery, you'll do pediatrics, you'll do neurology, you'll do, um, you know, other specialties. And so you OBGYN, so you do all these specialties and you're still a student. So you're learning. And so you, you rotate under all the, you know, physicians who are in that hospital system. So I was at NYU. So we'd rotate at the NY at the NYU hospital. And then they had other hospitals like Bellevue, which is a public hospital and the VA hospital, which is a veterans mm -hmm. hospital. So we'd rotate through all those hospitals and that's how you learn. And then you go into residency where you're employed as a resident, but you're still a trainee. So then you learn, you know, with a smaller group of urologists. So my residency had like nine urologists in the main hospital. And then we'd rotate other hospitals that had another number of, you know, five or six urologists that we'd rotate with. So you'd rotate with them and you would be kind of an apprenticeship. So you'd learn with them, you know, and then mm -hmm. in fellowship, very similarly, but it's a smaller group of very specialized urologists who teach you in whatever fellowship you go into. So I had three mentors there who I worked with every day and, you know, learned with them, like again, an apprenticeship. And now I'm in a, what's called an attending physician. And so I work in an academic hospital where I train residents, I do surgeries, I teach them. Mm -hmm. And I also, you know, take care of patients. Mm -hmm. 
I like it. And uh, yeah. man, that's why you guys get paid the, the big bucks, you know? <laughs> it's a man, long time it's, before yeah. we get paid anything, so. <laughs> man, sounds like a whole lot of schooling, lots of uh, just like uh, training, practice, learning, but uh, but yeah, like I like it. Like for me, like I'm a marketer, you know? <laughs> but that sounds like, uh, you know, like you found like something that that you like generally enjoy and uh, yeah. I'm happy, happy for you. So uh, as you're going through all this, what made you think that, all right, I'm going to start a YouTube channel. What, like, like, can you walk me through that process? Yeah, absolutely. So basically the reason I started it is because I'm really interested in health literacy. So I'll go back to kind of where my interest in that started. So when I was a trainee, a resident, I remember we did this beautiful surgery on a patient. Everything went technically perfect. There was no complications with the surgery itself. But after the surgery, she would have to put a catheter in her new uh, like bladder, essentially every time she needed to pee, you know, four or six times a day. And, and that's how she was supposed to empty her bladder. And so she kept coming back to the hospital and getting admitted to the ICU, which is like a very high level of care. And we kept being like, what's going on? And realized she didn't understand that she had to catheterize now. And so that was a... a you know, a big misstep that someone somewhere, she didn't get that education right mm -hmm. before she underwent this big surgery. And so I realized at that point that, um, you're good. Oh, are you there? Did there you get go. all that? I, I know it froze a little bit. <laughs> I think if you can go back, um, I think you're uh, uh, back to the IC. Yeah, okay. a little bit. Yeah, we're so, good now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the patient kept getting admitted to the ICU, and um, the ICU was like a higher level of care when someone's really sick. Mm -hmm. And so we were like, "What's going on?" You know, the surgery went fine, and there's nothing. Like she didn't have any infection. You know, nothing was making sense. And so we realized that it was because she wasn't catheterizing herself because she didn't mm -hmm. realize she had to. And so I realized at that point that as a surgeon, I can be technically perfect, but if I don't do a good job explaining to my patient what to expect or what could happen after surgery, then I failed. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where I started. And I started being on social media as a fellow, because that's when you start having a little bit of time. And I started on Twitter and it was a really good place to network with other urologists and kind mm -hmm. of learn and also get to know people around the country. And from there, I started an Instagram page and I realized you know, I was doing that and I realized like you would make a post and then it would, no one would see it later, right? Like it would go away. Yep. <laughs> so I was like, I do all this work to educate somebody in one post and it would disappear. Mm -hmm. And so then I was like, okay, let me try YouTube. Like I'm, I like talking. I don't like taking pictures, but I like talking. Mm -hmm. and I like, um, you know, being in front, I wasn't really sure I was good at being in front of camera, but I knew I could talk. So mm -hmm. I got, I decided, well, let me just try it for six months. Let me, um, use my phone and a window, right? Like very basic yeah. and didn't have to buy anything besides a tripod. And like, let me just try this and see how it goes. And so I made a commitment to myself. I was going to make one video a week for uh, one, yeah, one video a week for six months. Mm -hmm. And I was going to just see how it went and like, kind of if it was worth my time. And, um, and, you know, three years later, here I am. I love it. And uh, uh, I love how you said six months, because like normally on fresh channels, that's how long it takes to uh, kind of see some sort of traction, some sort of momentum. So you set the time frame, right? And I love how yeah. you were committed to it. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of people will just post like uh, maybe like a handful of videos within like the first month. They don't see any video, like any views, and then they just end up quitting. So hats down yeah. to you uh, for that. And um, I like... I. 
I like how you said how you would go and you would um put all this effort into like uh Instagram or uh, uh Twitter and um uh, sure like it'll be seen initially but then like over the long run like uh, it's, it's just like kind of like a flat line you know I like your yeah. way of thinking yep <laughs> I'm kind of yeah. like a lazy person so uh, that's that's why we're like YouTube you just make yeah, it once yeah. and it's up there for it's, it's green because it's searchable right I mean that's the key like if you're putting out content about something that people are searching for mm -hmm. then I think YouTube is a great platform for that yeah and then uh what the type of um I guess how long did it take for you to really get traction to where like where your content was really being seen yeah, so I think it took me about seven months to get that first thousand subscribers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you start, that's a huge number. You're like, oh, oh my yeah. God, <laughs> like, I can't believe that little old me got a thousand people who actually found me interesting enough to watch my stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of the, the first hit. And then after that, I, I kind of lost track, but I think it um, probably took me about a year and a half to get the first hundred thousand or so. And then the next between hundred thousand and a million, it was a little bit faster growing um, mm -hmm. because I had kind of gotten my groove after that point. Mm -hmm. And um, did you ever have this problem to where like, as you're growing, did you ever think of like, shoot, like what if my family and friends, what if they come across this content? Did you? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. definitely. I mean, I think for a long time I felt that way, but I really felt strongly that people needed this content. They needed to have access to this kind of education. And so I just kept going. And to be honest, I kept blinders on and no one, no one really said anything to me. And so I just kept doing it. And then finally, you know, COVID hit. So I didn't see anybody outside my day-to-day -day colleagues and stuff for a long time. And then I went to my first. American Urological Association big meeting of all urologists and I was nervous I was like oh people are gonna be like, what are you doing why are you doing this but it was mostly very supportive and very excited colleagues who were like you know you're doing such a great service for urology and so that was really exciting because I you just don't know until you're finally in front of other people who are not in your world and see mm -hmm. how they react to it mm -hmm. yeah and, and, just, and just like the different reactions it's like uh it's crazy like how many like people like uh were like um just like been impacted by your videos like you've probably seen it before like uh I've seen it before my own personal uh, brands as well and I was kind of same as well I was always like super I always I like doing things in secret and then I'll show like showcase the results so I kind of went through it there was like that um I just had to accept it and just kind of like just keep chugging along you know so so yeah so I guess that brings me to my next question of like how did um as your channel was growing, what ways did it really help accelerate your professional career? Yeah, so early on, I mean, it was really for me, and it's still it's still for me. It's a it was a hobby, right? I wanted to do it because I wanted to help people, but I didn't have any anticipation that it was going to help my career or help anything, right? I was like, okay, let's just do this, right? Mm -hmm. But as it's progressed, I've become really well known in my community, right? In my urology community, because even patients are coming to them saying, Hey, do you know, Dr. Malik? Like she makes these great videos on YouTube. Like, have you seen her? And so a lot of people started knowing who I am, what I'm doing. And so from that, I've, you know, gotten recognition both nationally and internationally in the urology community to like come give talks about my work, even as a clinician, but also about social media, right. To be like, how, how can we harness social media to help our patients and help people really know what we're doing? And because urology is such a small field and until you have a problem, a urologic problem, which it may be too late, um, mm -hmm. you, you won't know about us. And so I think it's, 
it's been really transformative for me uh, in that way, in that, like just getting known. And then also now I'm getting tons of patients who come to see me for help, right? They want your urology help and they want someone who they trust and they see me on their TV screen or on their computer mm-hmm. or their phone every week. So they feel comfortable coming to see me. Mm-hmm. I love that. And, uh, um, and, and I, I guess like, as far as like career opportunities, is it like speaking, you give them like workshops? Have you thought about like writing a book? Or yeah, like I've that thought there? about <laughs> it. I've thought about it, but I, I'm not yet. I think um, someday, certainly, but not yet. I, I do feel like uh, lots of speaking opportunities um, mm-hmm. to which which ultimately helps you get promoted. So in academic centers where you uh, when you work in a in an academic hospital, the things that they look at for promotion are your recognition. So do are you known nationally and internationally? And then are you going out and giving talks? And so mm-hmm. I give talks all the time, and and so that's really a great opportunity for me to one show my stuff, but also network with lots of people around the world. I've met urologists who are doing really cool things. I've met, you know, um, sex therapists. I've met other educators like myself who are doing interesting things. So even beyond the just urology side of it, I've made tons of really interesting friends who are doing similar entrepreneurial type things. We've I started an organization called South Asian Wellness, which was based mm-hmm. on like all these Instagram friends I made to like educate South Asians on their health. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I've also been part of other organizations which are doing similar things. And, I, you know, I made some really great friends through it who, you know, we will partner and do things together. And, and mm-hmm. it's just great to be in that environment of people who are thinking outside the box. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing I love about social media, you know, like sure you have your reach as far as like your general audience, but like the connections you make through it. Yeah. I think some of my, yeah, all of my best friends, they came through, like we connected on social media and just yeah. like, yeah, yep, yep. And, and, and just like meeting in person and just like, and um, it's not like one of those uh, relationships where it's like, uh, hey, hey, like, 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 like an acquaintance, but um, well, like, like, we're actually like good friends. Like, like, right. I know like, like, hey, how, like, how's your, uh, how's your wife doing? Or how's, uh, how's this going, going along? How's the kids? Uh, I'm yeah. not at that stage. I'm 21. <laughs> so much, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Just by using yeah. the, um, I guess, like um, your personal brand, essentially, to go out there and just um, make connections with like people, uh, not only in your industry, but also industries that kind of like connect. Um, yeah. Um, it's, not not it's connect, really complement cool. what you do. Yeah. It's really cool. I mean, I love having these friends who have these really interesting hobbies or jobs, or they've really taken something and just made it transformative for their audience. And that's mm-hmm. just like really amazing to be around a group of people who look for how they can impact the world in a positive way that's outside the normal nine to five, which is, which is great. I love my job, but I think that it's, it's really interesting to find people who are just pushing the boundaries. Um, here go my favorite question right here. So, uh, <laughs> cause my channel got demonetized on uh, YouTube. So like when, uh, as you were growing and making new videos, even with some of your older videos, uh, cause I know for me, like I posted videos before in the past and they were good with the YouTube algorithm, like not algorithm, but like their guidelines, but yeah. as time went on and it got stricter, those videos eventually got demonetized. Um, did you, did you have like any like issues as far as like demonetization, age restrictions, uh, anything yeah, you, like that? Yeah, sometimes you have to, because it's sexual health content and it's, 
Um, it can be perceived as, you know, not following guidelines. There is kind of a lot of like second review of the content. So like first review won't be necessarily a good green. And then there'll be a second review to make sure that it's okay, right? Because they have to make sure that now like they know I'm a physician, I have authority. I'm not like someone trying to sell something or someone mm -hmm. trying to, um, you know, talk about pornographic things or whatever, yeah. right? So, so I think now it's it's more of like, okay, they see there's authority. I'm, you know, I'm a known creator. And then on top of it, like as long, there's certain things you can't do. Like I can't show pictures of human body parts. So patients are like, oh, can you, I mean, the people on the comments are always like, oh, what does that look like? And I'm like, I can't, like, I can't put a picture of it. Like you can Google it, but I can't put a picture yeah. <laughs> of it. Um, because that's just not, even though I'm a physician and have authority, like there's certain things you can't do. And so that does yeah. limit the education a little bit because it's like, I can't show them the picture of what I want to show them. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but ultimately, yeah, I think it was a learning process, like really learning what, what the, the, like, where does, where are the, the limits, right? Like, what can I talk about? What can I not talk about? Mm -hmm. And, and how can I make it so that it is um, educational, completely, like, there's no bias in what I'm presenting. It's, it's factual, but not making it so that it's perceived as something that's not um, kosher for the YouTube algorithm. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And uh, man, like, as far as like, uh, the YouTube partner program, mm -hmm. if you're, uh, <laughs> if you get like that yellow dollar sign, yeah. it could be yeah. like, uh, just hell going through that process. But like, uh, like, once you have that all figured out, and uh, like, it's, you know, like, it's so nice as far as like, just like, as far as like having YouTube as another stream of income. So that's good that you figured that out. <laughs> um, another good question I had for you is like how much fact checking goes into each of your videos? Cause like you have a pretty big audience and let's say if you were to say something, um, you know, like like we all make mistakes, I make mistakes, you probably make mm -hmm. mistakes occasionally. Yeah. What happens if you say something um, that wasn't uh, correct? What are like the consequences? Uh, yeah. So, so typically, I mean, generally like medicine as it stands is always evolving, right? Because there's new data, there may be new treatments. And so um, it's, it can become outdated. And usually if there's something that's gotten really outdated, I'll either delete that video and make a new one. Or, um, you know, of course, if it's, you know, if it's something that's like dangerous and we no longer do it, like we found out yeah. it's not effective, <laughs> but generally speaking, it's really like, oh, there's a new technology and that old technology is still fine and people are still doing it, but there's like a new technology. And generally before I make a video, I spend a lot of time, you know, like reading up on the literature, making sure I have the most up-to-date research. I re-review, you know, our our guidelines that are updated all the time through the American Urological Association. So I make sure that I'm really providing the most up-to-date content on the day that I'm making the video, right? Mm -hmm. It could be two years down the line that we have some transformative thing that comes up in, in research and we start doing that. And then, you know, I'll go back and I'll modify what I've done. And some things like I'm not really an expert on metastatic prostate cancer, for example. And so I may like bring on a, an, you know, a, another person to come give that credibility rather than, because it's also changing so frequently that I may say, Hey, let me bring someone who's really up to date in the literature to talk about it. Um, because I may not be completely up to date on that. And like, it changes so quickly that I may even, even if I do the research myself, I don't want to misspeak. And so certain mm -hmm. things are pretty complex and I'll, you know, I'll get some help with those, but otherwise most of the stuff, because of my training, 
reading and, you know, being a urologist, I, I read up on everything, make sure it's completely factually accurate. I, I put the links in the description of every paper that I read to, to make the video. So anyone can fact check me and make sure that it's correct, or that they can read the paper that I'm talking about. So they can feel that make their own conclusions if they like. Mm -hmm. Great answer. And, and, and I love how, uh, didn't realize how much like researching goes behind this just just like not only like double checking but like triple checking everything is correct yeah yeah, yeah as far as like specifically on uh when it comes to like things like such as like I guess like the body and health you know you really got to check those things there so yeah I was just curious as far as like what was your process behind that and just really going in like checking your information because you got a pretty you got a pretty big audience last yeah. thing you want is like uh, <laughs> you, get, yeah. you, get, you get a few phone calls a couple hours yeah, later I think, the hardest, I think the hardest part is you know people do a lot of alternative therapies right and and there's very little data on those things and that's not to say that they're not they may be helpful for some people right like there's you know, there's a theory why certain supplements may work for some people for certain mm -hmm. things, but there's no evidence behind it, but I still want people to know what literature we have. And so I'll make content on it. So they know, right? Like these are the, this is what data we have. This is how effective we know. This is why I think maybe it might work. Maybe it might not work. And what are the risks? Because I think that's the biggest thing. People think if they can get it over the counter, there's no risk, but there's risk with lots of things you can get over the mm -hmm. counter. I mean, even yeah. Tylenol, if you take too much, you can hurt yourself. Right. So oh, yeah. you got to be careful. Yeah especially we taking like other like uh like solutions as well yep it's just yeah. just just uh yeah. um not compound uh, uh cause and effect that's what i'm looking for yeah. so 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 with that have you had like any um success stories so what i mean by that is like so like for me when i was making content um there was a point like when you're getting like millions of views a month it was just it was just numbers like for me like mm -hmm. like a thousand subscribers that was my dream but like yeah getting like going like going beyond that you know like it was like okay it's just it's just numbers game now and then I sort of like YouTube became more enjoyable for me after I realized that like hey this content it's helping people like go oh, yeah. into like depression or whatever do you have like any stories like that of like just like oh, stories from your like audience that like keeps you like keep, not keeps you going every day <laughs> So many. I mean, literally every day I get a comment like, thank you so much. You're changing my life. I get messages all the time in my in my DMs and um, I don't respond to them all because there's just too many. But, yep. like, I them, you know, and and it's amazing. And people are really like they, they're like, this is the best information I've ever gotten about this problem that I'm having. I'm inspired to go see a urologist or I feel so much more comfortable talking about this with my doctor or my partner, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. So I get it all the time. And that's really why I keep doing it, because I'm like, I feel like I'm changing lives. Right. I'm making a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And that's me. One person. Person. Whereas if I saw a clinic full of patients, I can see like maybe 40 patients a day at most and, and that's it. Right. But now I can reach millions every, mm -hmm. you know, every week I can reach millions yeah. of people. So it's, it's really exciting. And I think as far as the numbers, I mean, I never dreamed in a million years that I would have a million subscribers. I never thought I'd be a YouTuber. Like I'm not a, I, <laughs> I'm a doctor, right? Yeah. I didn't think that like this, this little fun project I made on the side would become you know, like an animal of itself. And yeah. it's, it, it keeps me going. Like I'm always excited to come up with an answer for something that someone asks me on my comments or something that, you know, a lot of times there's like these questions that people want answers to. Like, for example, one of my highest performing videos is like, 
um, you know, how do you make your semen volume more voluminous? And like that medically mm -hmm. doesn't matter, yeah. right? Like I, it doesn't matter to me if you make more or less, unless you're having infertility. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but like people want answers to this, right? Mm -hmm. So I like, it pushes me to be like, look, people really want to know and let them get that information from a verified source, someone who actually can tell them medically what's going on, why it's happening and, you know, what you can really do rather than somebody who's like, here, take this pill and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to make some profit off of you. Mm -hmm. And it's just like those, especially when they send like a big paragraph, you know, yeah. like their whole yeah. situation and like how they came across your content and then how their life was improved. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what, um, it like. I don't know, like you go to bed at night, like knowing that like I got like I'm here on this earth for a reason. Like I'm I'm yeah. here to make an impact, you know. It's it's yeah. a really nice feeling. So yeah, yeah I like it, that. It really is. You're giving <laughs> me chills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, do you have like any exciting plans for the future as far as like your your personal brand and also your professional career? What does that look like? Well, you know, I think that as, as professional, as, as a, you know, as YouTuber, I'm going to keep making content and, and, you know, there can be, I think if anyone is a creator right now, just know there are ups and downs, right? There's days where you'll do videos that make, you know, that blow out the water and there'll be ones that don't do as well. And I think you just keep going. And that's, that's certainly my intention to keep going, keep growing, keep kind of pushing that and, and see how I can educate best. So I am going to try to make more short form content um, and, and see if I can, you know, reach a different audience that way. So that's kind of my, right now, my short-term goal is to kind of play around with different types of content, different ways to educate and see what really resonates with my audience. Mm -hmm. That's interesting that you meant, mentioned YouTube shorts, because I was speaking to someone, they were talking about how YouTube shorts, it's like a separate algorithm from the, the mm -hmm. long form videos and how it, it completely shows your videos like a completely different audience, you know, so that's, that's mm -hmm. a pretty good strategy as far as like, just like um, broadening, broadening things out and just like reaching uh, more people specifically, like, I remember how you're saying uh, once people like come to you or any other, or any other urologist, it's um, kind of too late. Um, did Sometimes, you say yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah it can yeah, be. It yeah. depends <laughs> on, you know, it depends on what, what's going on with them, but right, like if, for example, they have blood in the urine and they're like, oh, it's no big deal. And they wait too long. That could be a serious problem, right? Mm -hmm. So like one of my videos is like, what does the color of your urine mean? And so in there, if somebody watches that video and sees that, oh, I need to go see your audience is serious, mm -hmm. then, you know, hopefully they'll go. And I've seen that where it's, they've waited too long, right? Mm -hmm. um, and other things, right? Like it can be quality of life things too, but like if they get them taken care of earlier, that, that can potentially be better for them in the long term rather than waiting for it to get so bad that like, for example, someone's in diapers or someone's, you know, doing something else like learning. And I, some of my videos are just learning like normal behaviors that you should and shouldn't be doing that might be damaging your bladder in the long term, right? Like mm -hmm. things like that, that I think are super important and, and can really help just comes down to that education and uh yeah just, as far as like reaching that broad audience I think the shorts um uh, the short strategy that's, that's really going to work for you especially since you're already like established you got a big audience you yeah. can uh yeah you can take that route but really um uh you know just 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 like um re, you know like reaching different ages uh genders and also people across different countries so yeah I'm excited for you um two more questions for you and then we'll wrap it up so um if you can do everything all over again, what would you do differently? 
I think I would have hired an editor earlier. <laughs> I think I, and a lot of YouTubers say this, but I edited my own videos for so long and I am not like, I have no skills. I learned for YouTube. So mm -hmm. I learned YouTube editing like by myself and it was super basic and I'd get excited to learn something new. I'm like, oh, let me add this to my video. Yeah. But it took hours and I don't have hours to do that. Like mm -hmm. I've got two kids, I've got a full-time job. And so um, I, because I wasn't sure if it was going to be like a real thing. So I don't want to invest the time into like finding someone, teaching them how to like edit my content. And, you know, I was like, oh, let me just see if I'm going to keep going. And then ultimately mm -hmm. I finally did hire someone. So I think that would be one thing I would change. And otherwise I I'm really happy with however, I, I you know, you, you don't know when you're starting. Like I, I think, yeah, I could have like taken a creator's course early and maybe had a better search strategy early on or like, mm -hmm. but I think nothing can, can, um, can replace learning from your audience. So like mm -hmm. when it's a hundred subscribers, there's still going to be people commenting and telling you what they want to see or, you know, whatever. So I think always asking your audience for feedback and looking for what they want and just trying new things. And I think I did that. And I think it really helped. I love that. And I, and uh, one thing I, um, I saw somewhere is like the key to a long life is contrast, you know, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and just like from being like, where you at with like 100 subscribers and just like, trying things like some some failed some succeed and just going just going up the little uh, <laughs> you yeah. know, like up that little like uh, ladder to like where you at right now that's like and looking back at it like. It's, yeah, it's, and like, you can't take it personally, out. right? Like if something failed, it's not because you didn't do a good job. It's just that that didn't resonate. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Like not everything you do is going to be a home run and you can't take it personally. Yep. I wish I learned that uh, earlier, but I'm still talking about this. <laughs> I guess you could say. I it's hard. Time. It's not yeah. <laughs> easy to say. It still hurts, but you know, you just got to be like, okay, it's okay. Keep going. Like yeah. keep the hustle, you know, keep grinding. So outside of work and um, YouTube, if you could do one thing for the rest of your life every day, what would that be? Like for work or just in general? Uh, outside of work, outside of YouTube, just like something that makes you happy. Oh, I mean, honestly, it's, it's literally having quality time with the family. Like I, I, I can't even the 10 minutes a day, I get to talk to have a, like a alone time with my husband and like cuddling my kids and watching movies with them or playing on the floor with them. Like there's, there's nothing better than that. So I think just spending that quality time with the people you love and always making sure you have time for them, no matter how busy it gets, like those years are not going to come back. So mm -hmm. you, you just got to always prioritize that. And I think first and foremost, that would be like family is number one. Mm -hmm. I love that. And uh, when it comes to like a lot of things, quality is important. But when it comes to like family, quantity, as far as like how much time you spend with them, that's, that's, that's really important. You know, even if you're not really like saying anything, you know, just being yeah. with them, you know, just being, being, being in their them. presence. Just being yep. around them. It, it's, it's important. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I love that. But uh, hey, uh, uh, Rana, thank you for uh, like hopping on the Finding Your Purpose podcast. And for the people watching, listening to this, I'll have all your links down below in the description. This is a, a YouTube podcast, so I'm going to be posting it on there. But but yeah, thanks for, uh, you know, like being a guest on my podcast. And um, yeah, that's going to be it for this podcast episode. <laughs> uh, thank you, everyone, for uh, uh, watching or listening. And I'll catch you guys in the next one. See ya. Thank you.